0: This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 171, with Gino Barbaro.
1: Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laupshire.
0: Hi there MC Lobsher here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at how to create passive income through legacy multifamily investments. My guest today is Gino Barbero. Gino is an investor, business owner and entrepreneur. He has been investing in real estate for 15 years and has grown his multifamily portfolio to 674 units in three years. He has teamed up with Jake Stanzanio, to create Jake and Gino, a real estate education company that offers coaching and training in real estate investing. He is the best-selling author of Wheelbarrow Profits, and Gino is a graduate of IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, and is a certified professional coach. He is also a fantastic cook and the author of the best-selling cookbook, Family Food and the Fryers. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobster or by email at info at ninja.com And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja to four. 44- 222. To ensure you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps from the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at cashflowninja.com forward slash support. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRAs, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. Spartan Invest have a proven plan and system, helping investors create passive income and wealth through turnkey real estate ownership in the exciting market of Birmingham, Alabama. Find out why Birmingham has got it going on, why it's a steal right now, why it's a millennial hangout a hidden gem, and one of the most exciting investment opportunities you have never heard of. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Spartan. I've spoken about the most powerful system on the planet, on the show, the banking system. And my firm, Valhalla Wealth Financial, helps people reclaim the banking function within their own lives through leveraging the premium tools and strategies of the wealthy. If you're interested in reclaiming the banking function within your own life and the infinite banking concept, you can access a free webinar presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Gino, welcome to the show. MC, how you doing? Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners?
2: Sure. Uh, I'll tell you how old I am. 46 years old. Going to be 47 really soon. Um, I've had an interesting journey. I got out of college back in 92 and there were no jobs. Everyone's complaining about the job market. It was tough. Um, I had a dad who came from Italy, worked in the restaurant business my whole life with him. Um, Unfortunately and fortunately, I fell into the restaurant business, did that for about 20 years. Uh, it was awesome back in the early two thousands did really well. It was with my brother, family business, but you know what happened in 08, right? The great recession and it hit everybody construction guys ain't going out to eat. It affects my business. So I said to myself, I've got to do something. And I know we've spoken about this off air, I hit that pressure point. I said to myself, what am I going to do? You know, where am I going? I, I, I I'm looking for something. So what do I do? Personal development. I become a life coach. (laughs) That's what I ended up doing. I said, let me go get myself some personal development. And along the way, I said to myself, what is my why in life? You know, when you get to be my age, I have six kids. You know, I've got a wonderful wife. I was making a decent living, but I wasn't uncomfortable enough that I wanted to strive for more. But when 08 came, I became really uncomfortable and I said to myself, let me find out what I truly want to do. With the why, I figured out the how. I wanted to really, not all about the money, but really serve and give to others. And life coaching was one of that one of those aspects. Met my partner, Jake, back in 11, 2011. He was actually catering out of my restaurant. Uh, he was a good friend of my brother. He was heading down to Knoxville, Tennessee. So I said, oh, wow, can't buy real estate in New York. It doesn't really cash flow up here, property taxes and all. Let me see what Knoxville has to offer. Spent about 18 months looking for a deal down there. We found our first deal in February of 2013. Uh, twenty-five little 25-unit 25 property. And now, meanwhile, this whole process, I'm really into education. So I did the Rich Dad Poor Dad. I did the uh, Dave Lindahl coaching. So I spent a lot of money on my education. I think that's what people have to do. You have to invest in yourself. And it's not just formal education. It was college education. You have to, as Napoleon Hill says, it's all about think and grow rich. That's specialized knowledge. That's the fourth path. I think it's the fourth or the fifth path. And we all have general knowledge. Who makes the big bucks? It's the neurosurgeons. It's the guy who has specialized knowledge. So I got my knowledge specialized in multifamily real estate. And I guess timing, like, like, you know, richest man in Babylon, Arkad said, you create your luck, the harder you work, the harder you work. The opportunities come, and that's what happened. My opportunity showed up with Jake, went down there. He had no idea what he was doing. He bought his first complex. I sort of coach-mentored him. Three and a half years later, we're up to 700 units, and hopefully we've got an LOI in 194 units. So it's been a great journey. We've created Jake and Gino, a whole real estate platform around that with some great students. So I went from being great business to confused to working on it, and now I'm really enjoying myself.
0: I love the approach because you are your biggest and greatest asset and Mm -hmm. that's the first place that you should put your money just like you did through coaching and education and growing that mindset and the investor's mindset and the psyche. The psychological part for an investor is his greatest asset besides himself as well before even the the real estate. Can you talk a little bit about the investor's mindset uh, and the the psychological approach of an investor and how that also ties into the success mindset because it's not all rainbows and unicorns out there?
2: Sure. Well, I started listening to a lot of guys. I'm a, a pretty avid reader. I like Brian Tracy. I like Zig Ziglar. I like Tony Robbins. Uh, I like Norman Vincent Peale. All these guys that have these positive, uh, really reinforced you know, messages. Brian Trace is a great guy because you have to create and grow your skills. You know, the entrepreneur has to make enough money to pay for his mistakes. I definitely fall into that category. But you have to raise your skill level and your value. The more value you can create, the more money you're going to make. With the apartments, we have 700 units we're servicing 700 tenants. We're going to make a lot more than servicing 30 tenants. And that's one thing that I had to wrap my mind around. I had that one little restaurant. We're awesome. I'm I'm a great cook. I really am. I've been around food my whole life. But how much money can you have with one place? You just can't do it. Um, I think the investor mindset is three things, leverage, liquidity, and control. You know That's what Rich Dad preaches. That's what I preach. Your products, my products have a lot to do with that. We can leverage them up Liquidity is not as much, but listen, I can refine the property, pull the money out, do a 1031. It's not that instant gratification, which is good sometimes because listen, you might pull the trigger in a stock and two days later, you might regret it. So you have that exit in mind. That exit strategy in mind is crucial in the products that you're in and the product that I'm in because you want to think to yourself, I'm not buying this for a year or two years. What is my goal in five to 10 years? That's what you should always be looking at when you're getting into any type of investment. And the third one is obviously control. When you can control the asset, you can control the the situations and the decisions. I don't want somebody on the board of Apple telling me what's going to happen because they make one stupid mistake, stock crumbles. I want my own control. So I think that's really where the investor mindset should be. And it
0: is extremely important that control over oneself and then control over, the, over the asset. Now, Gina, where, can you share a little bit with my listeners? So how did you get start in, in the real estate part? Uh, talk us about, uh, your first deal. I know that you've mentioned that, you know, you invested in yourself, your coaching, um, and the courses that you took and then you actually took. Action, yes. which a lot of people get to that part where they invest a lot in themselves, uh, they listen to podcasts just such as these and this one, but they don't take they don't take action. So, uh, how did it all start for you?
2: Well, what you just said is crucial, guys. Listen to what MC said. It's thought leads to a decision, leads to action, leads to a result. If you have a thought and it's powerful enough, focus on that thought. Make it a decision. Once it becomes decisive in you, you're going to take massive action. And that massive action leads to results. T. Harv Eker says the fruits are about the roots. If you don't have strong roots, you're not going to get fruits on that tree. So we all have thoughts every day. The guys who can focus in and hone in on a thought like Steve Jobs wants to be in, you know totally revolutionary, those are the guys that are going to create success and are going to focus and make the big bucks. So have that thought, and if you're really serious about it, Make a decision about it. If not, that thought's going to dissipate into thin air. How I started was it wasn't all rainbows like you said. I got my first deal, nice deal back in 2002. I had a fourplex. Uh, my parents sold the building where we have the restaurant, so I, I had a little bit of real estate experience. And when somebody said to underwrite a deal, I didn't know what the heck that meant. Cap rate? What's a cap rate? You know, yeah. cash on cash? I don't know what that means, right? The only thing I knew, the only thing I knew was how much you got and left at the end of the month. I didn't know how to analyze a deal or nothing. But I took action, and fortunately, I did because I made a ton of mistakes. Ended up buying a mobile home park. Guy just crapped out. Wasn't my fault. Wasn't his fault. It was more my fault because I didn't do the due diligence. I didn't learn the asset class. It's a fantastic niche where you can cash roll like crazy. But I didn't learn it. Next deal I went into, I went into a little commercial strip mall up here in New York. Demographics are terrible. The market was not great. I didn't know the four cycles of real estate. That was another mistake of mine. But in that process, I didn't quit because I know that my why was strong enough. I wanted to succeed. So I made all these stumbles. I made all these losses. I lost a lot of money. But you know what? Along the way, if you don't hammer yourself too much and you learn the process, Then I ended up saying to myself, I like multifamily. People have to live somewhere. Um, And the demographics are shifting towards that. The millennials have a thousand bucks to put down in a house for down payment. They ain't buying. The baby boomers are downsizing. Uh, You know, the whole house, you know, dream mentality is gone. Houses aren't ATMs anymore. So that's all shifting to a renter nation. That's why you see cap rates compressing. But at the same time, we like it because you can't live in the internet. You know, all these strip malls right. and bed bath and beyond, they're all downsizing. I'm not saying that it's going away. I'm not saying these retailers are going away, but their footprints are definitely diminishing. So when there's the, the diminishing footprints, uh, it, it hurts. And another spot, even with office space, I did a bigger pockets meetup the other night. I went into a space in Manhattan. It's called WeWork. All these office spaces, office spaces dying. I'm I'm sorry. That is the, these guys had ping pong tables, they had beer taps, and they're working. And now, if my father, he's, he's an old times Italian guy, if he saw that workspace, he would smack me upside the head and say, "Is this how you work?" But dude, that's how the millennials work. You have to cater to them. You need to get them motivated, and inspired. So that office space is conducive. Do they need twenty thousand square feet? No. Startups are using five hundred square feet. So I think investors, real estate investors, have to see the demographics and have to see what's going on. Forward and have to see what's happening with technology and the way people want to live. They want amenities. They want to have that experience. So, in, you know, multifamily and apartment investing. I think this is the future.
0: Yeah, it's you've mentioned a couple of trends here. Obviously, the online trend and shopping online and Amazon. I mean, talk about uh, the the behemoth, right? The nine hundred pound gorilla and then of course the sharing economy which is now translating over into the co-working spaces which that's kind of taken on the office space because a lot of people are working virtual and you know no man is an island we still are looking for kind of a tribe right. and the the millennials are looking for them as well so they're into the these co-working spaces so you're not going to have thousands and thousands of square feet of, of office space needed for companies there's entire organizations and uh I know it mentioned something to YouTube I mean I'm trying uh, trying to build a virtual company as well where we don't have office spaces right. and, and so forth so there's a ton of trends, uh, for real estate. You've mentioned the millennial living habits, uh, being more mobile in the information age. I can think of as a big one. Uh, and then also the baby boomers, you know, and you guys share so much information on your website and have, uh, the buying, the whole buying process for wheelbarrow pro- uh, profits. Uh, and it starts with buying right. Now, can you talk about, uh, a little bit about, where you guys buy? Is it because um, you're up in New York right now? Is it uh, what markets you kind of guys are kind of look at um, around the country and why?
2: Sure. Well, I mean, the whole process started out with that little 25 unit. Jack, Jake likes to call it a crack den. It was a weekly renters. It was a rough, rough property. We sunk our teeth into it. We managed it ourselves. Jake was living about 15 minutes from the property, and the great thing about multifamily, you can do it part time. He was working at a full time job doing it part time, twenty-five units. We bought it in February. Three months later we bought our second property, a thirty-six unit. So we've got sixty units under management. The scalability, the economy is a scale. Instead of having sixty single family homes running all over the place. We did two transactions and we were up to 60 units. And that's crucial for anybody who wants to build a business and not be a landlord. Let's think about asset management instead of landlord management. But we were in the management business also because we liked the control. We were learning about it. Fortunately, we did that. So we created what they call a vertically integrated company. We do everything. We manage the 700 units now. We do the accounting. We we, we all in-house. So it's basically a way to control. You don't have to do that. We're buying stuff in our market, but now we're looking at other stuff. We have properties. We're looking at in Rhode Island, in Kansas City, because we can actually build out our model. We've created those systems. We love a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. It's a great book for you to actually go out and build systems within your business. Instead of working, I guess, in your business, you got to work on your business. And that's what happened when we first started out. You start out as mom and pops, and that's what our trend is. We look for mom and pop apartments. You know, Speaking to your question, a mom and pop apartment is simply a guy like me with one restaurant or one property. He's burned out. He has no systems. They let anybody with a heartbeat rent. There's no website, no computer, no applications. They just want to get out. And the key to any, uh, I guess, anything when you want to invest, you need to have a motivated seller in anything. If you don't have a motivated seller, there is no way to find value in that property. Now, that's just the number one thing. It's not what you buy; it's what you pay. So, once our wheelbarrow profits framework, it just came about. Jake was cutting the grass. He had a wheelbarrow pushing. And he looks, he sees, wow, three. The buy right is one. You do that, you're done. The finance right, you finance a property done. The wheel is the management and it constant motion, constantly running the business. If one of those three is not stable, what happens? Your wheelbarrow tips over. And just between the mom and pop and that that you know wheelbarrow, it's all up building a framework and being able to systematize what properties you're looking for. And as the properties types we're looking for, we like the C properties. You know, asset classes are A, B, C, and D. The A is just too risky for me. The cap rates are so small. They're two threes. It's preservation of wealth. You have, you have foreign investors who are going in there and they want to preserve their wealth. So they're willing to get two. I think it's being overbuilt right now. I think it's just too much money in that space. So that makes the B's a little bit more riskier because what happens is a start giving concessions. They're going to start going into the B space and renting the B space. So we're in the B, C space. The C space is a little bit older, assets of 30 to 35 years, a little bit more deferred maintenance, a lot more blue collar workers, but they cash flow really well. And these are the kinds of people that will stay in their apartments for five, six, 10 years. They're not really going to buy a house or anything. So those are the tenant base. That's the type of assets that we're looking to buy.
0: Now, for my listeners that are not familiar with these class assets, can you just kind of describe what an, an A is, what a sure. B is, and what a C is? Yeah. An A asset,
2: if you guys think about it, you're driving down, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm moving to St. Augustine, Florida. If you're in Jacksonville, Florida, you see all these beautiful properties coming up. They're all beautiful apartment complexes. They've got their coffee, they've got spa, they've got all these amenities. Anything built within the last five years is an A asset. Problem is with an A asset they work more with capital appreciation, which is I do not want capital appreciation unless I force it. It's more of a wealth preservation kind of strategy. You put the money there, very little cash flow, but a lot less risk accordingly, right? right. The, B, the B is anywhere from let's say 10 to 30 years old, the asset. It's mixture of blue-collar, white-collar tenants. You know, I don't know what the cap rates now in certain markets. They could be between a you know, four and a six cap, a little bit more of a return still a little less risk. The C properties, which we're talking about, 30 years plus cap rates can be now, now the cap rates have compressed between maybe six and 10, depending on market. Because real estate is market specific. Just because those three markets back in the way, crash, Florida, Phoenix, Las Vegas, doesn't mean that Kansas City, Kansas, or Topeka, Kansas did the same thing, or Cleveland, Ohio, very specific. So you have to really be careful with what market you're looking into. And obviously D would be more of the, uh, you know, rundown, Crime ridden areas. Just try to stay away from D unless you've got a pension or you have a great management company that can deal with it. It's really not worth the headache. So we don't even bother going into those into those uh, areas.
0: You're listening to Gino Barbaro on the Cashflow Ninja Podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. You're listening to Gino Barbaro on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. And now back to our interview. Let's talk about the financing. So um, do you guys – so uh, talk me to, through the process. When you guys find the properties, put them on a the contract, it's negotiated and so forth. And sure. now you're financing. Do you guys raise capital for down payments? Is it at, uh, was that only the beginning stages? Is it now just kind of your capital that you're moving in from other assets in there? Yeah. Uh, and then what type of financing uh, it, have you guys preferred?
2: Well, we started – on the other way around, usually guys who get into bigger deals start syndicating and raising private money. We yeah. didn't do that. We actually got, me and Jake bought our first property with creative financing. We had 10% owner financing because the seller was motivated. We educated him on, like, just like what you have to do with your insurance project products, you have to educate the seller on what the merits are. You're going to get, you're going to hold the note for 10%. You're not getting your capital gains. If you're going to put that 40 or 50 grand in the bank, what are you going to do with it? Get 1%? I'll offer you 5%. So we had owner financing on our first deal. The second deal, we brought in a partner and same thing. We've had the same partnership, me, Jake and this other partner, the three of us, we brought our own capital to the deals. We were able to buy right. And within 18 months of our buying our third deal, we refinanced it out, pulled out a million six, repurposed that money into our next deal. Rinse, Pete did that for our next deal. So hence we're at we're at seven hundred units and we're gonna actually start syndicating our first deal now. Um, you know, it's raising private money. And and the great thing about it with the Jake and Gino platform, I feel it's better for us because we don't have to work at a fee base. We're not gonna charge high acquisition fees. We wanna be there for our investors and we have the credibility now. We have the best selling book, we have a great podcast, we have a great community, so it'll be a lot easier for race to raise money for this for this syndication. So I mean, we started backwards. Usually, guys who start, they don't have the capital. We were fortunate enough that we had enough capital to get in at the right time. So, there's no right or wrong way, to be honest with you.
0: Right, and now you guys have a track record, and again, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, uh, have had a lot of success. So now it's the it's it's not that hard to go out and saying, "Hey, I'm a new guy, but I have I'm partnering with someone with experience." So it's yeah. a it's a different type of ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, so there's motivated sellers, which is huge because you can't really do reasonable business with unreasonable people. That's right. Um, so you've got a motor seller you've negotiated, you put, put it on the contract. There's obviously a value side to it as well. Uh, with increasing rents, mm-hmm. can you give examples of what type of value adds you 're looking at when you 're analyzing at a property, and some examples of what value adds you 've done on some of these properties to increase the rent because that,
2: that increases the value of a multi sure. you know? well, I, let me go back to your question about the buying right process first so the primary yeah. right, real real quick. Looking for properties. The first thing anybody needs to do is they need to focus on a specific market. Don't be throwing darts and looking at six different cities, especially in your beginning. Yep. Pick a market. Louisville, Kentucky, San Antonio, Texas, Gainesville, Georgia. Whatever it is, focus on it. The second thing you need to do is you need to do, in that market research, demographics, focus on job growth, population growth, employers in the market. There's a lot of things. I've got a market research sheet I can, I can share with your listeners uh, at the end want to focus that down. The second thing is start reaching out to brokers. And when you reach out to brokers, I have the 46 questions. You need to be educated. A lot of these brokers don't know what they're doing, believe it or not. They're multifamily brokers, but they sell duplexes. They don't know. I want you to be educated. Know what to ask them. What does it per unit cost to run these properties? Where's the path of progress? How many multifamily properties are, are in a market? I have all 46 questions you need to ask. After you ask those questions, start sending me deals. You're going to get some crappy deals in the beginning, right? Because you're trying to build a rapport. Don't be dissuaded. Tell them, listen, I need to get an 8% cash on, a 10% cash on cash return. I need these parameters. And if they don't give them to you, okay, just send it back to them, get back to them right away, and just say, keep sending them to me. And while you're doing that, start building your team. There's certain team members you need to build in there. And we have those resources on who who to get. You need a broker, insurance broker. Property manager, inspector, start creating that. And as you're doing that, you're going to start getting deals. All of a sudden, the deal looks good. You put it on the letter of intent, which is a non-binding agreement, saying, "I want to buy 123 Main Street. I'm going to pay a million two. I'm going to put 20 percent down. Just basic negotiation techniques. If it get, if and when it gets signed off, you go right to your purchase and sale agreement. Hopefully, you'll be able to craft the purchase and sale or the contract so you can put stipulations into the contract yourself. So when you go to retrade, he's going to ask for the first concession, then you can ask for a concession right behind. It's a great negotiating tip. It might cost you a few more bucks to create the purchase and sale, but you want to control that purchase and sale agreement. Now, while you're doing that, there's a three-step due diligence process, basically. After the purchase and sale agreement, you're going to get all these documents in. And one thing you guys need to do I should backtrack. When you buy something, you need to buy on actual numbers. Those pro formas, just kick them out the window. You don't care what it's going to do in three years. You're buying for what it's doing today, and it's hard for a lot of beginning investors, and especially with the way the market's elevated. You see these rosy pictures. We we been actually bid on a deal in Alabama last two weeks ago. We bid four point three million. When we saw the real numbers, it was worth about two and a half million bucks. Somebody actually locked it up and put it on the contract for that four point three. So I don't know where he's going to go. That's just everything's is is really really a little frothy right now, but I tell my students, I'd rather have you spend a few bucks and save money by not buying a deal than buying a deal like that that will crush your soul and will just tell you real estate's risky. So it's really important on the buy process to buy right. Um, So once you've got that on the purchase to sale agreement, the three-step repositioning financial. Look at all the financial numbers, trust, but verify. If those numbers look good, the second part is to do your physical inspection. Get the inspector on board, but don't send him out until you're happy with the financial numbers. And if they've disclosed numbers that are not what they showed you, you go back and you adjust that price or you walk from the property because that's what you need to do. You need to do that. And you got to have a 30-day window to do all this due diligence. After the physical comes back, you're going to get a nice property report Look at that property report. Make sure everything looks good. If there's any repairs, ask for a concession. The third one is your legal due diligence, which was, or I've gotten crushed. Make sure there's, there's no, there's no tax, there's no liens on the property. Make sure that it's a CFO. You're buying a 20 unit complex, not a 15 unit complex. Make sure that all, you know, whether it's a septic or sewer, everything's up to code. That's the third part. Once you've done all three of those, time to go get the financing you've already started the financing in the very beginning networking with the bankers you've got another 30 days to get the financing done and if you need an extension put an extension in the contract bam then you close yeah
0: the uh pro forma is huge every pro forma should there should be a line above it that says once upon a time (laughs) <laughs> and and, def- and definitely the the, the, the the trailing 12. Now, as far as, as a value add, yes. what, when you walk the property, what can listeners look out for and say, hey, here's an opportunity. Sure. Even not just when you walk in the property, but the story that the numbers tell you, because it is like reading a book, right?
2: Yeah. I hope that last segment was clear enough for your listeners. It's, it's yeah. trying to condense, condense it down as quick as possible. And once you guys do it, it's like a recipe. You bake a cake, you do it once, you might burn the brownies. The next time you do it, you're going to learn it and it's going to become like clockwork. That's why I think mentors for me was really helpful for me when I got into that our first really big deal. I had a mentor, I had a coach helping me out throughout the whole process because it can be a little cumbersome, a little laborious because some brokers don't help you out. Anyway, value adds, very simple. You're trying to look for properties that have lower rents. Uh, let's say a two-bedroom in that market's going for 600 bucks a month, and you see that on the balance sheet or the income statement, they're only doing 480 That's a big value add. You want to actually try to raise rents. Now, when we go into these properties, we're not spending thousands and thousands of dollars per unit to get these up to market because they're C. We don't have to put in granite countertops. Basically, a lot of these mom-and-pop owners are going to say to their tenants, Jake likes to call it the death spiral, don't call me. 450 a month. I'm happy. Leave me alone. Now we know that's insanity because it is. Or you have management companies like this lady, these these mom and pops who are doctors, they want a 700 credit score. They weren't renting them out to anybody because nobody was qualified. So there's another instance where why aren't they renting it out? Huge value add. Uh, Make sure that they are collecting on all different kinds of fees. You do an application fee. If you have pets, you charge for pet fees. If there's any ability to you know, get some storage on the property, get storage fees, laundry. If you can put some laundry machines on there, split the revenue with the laundry company. I would think of multifamily as multiple streams of revenue because there's so many different places you can get revenue. Uh, listen cell phone towers i 'm trying to get in touch with a cell phone tower with a company that can put cell phones on our property we 're in the process of doing that cable contracts we 've got a cable contract guy where we closed on a property last year in March It was one hundred and fifty six units. They had just signed up a cable contract with a cable provider for fifty thousand dollars for seven years. We got that income because we closed on it because it was on, it was on the uh, on the uh, CFO. It came up in title, so it 's our money so that 's another value play. A lot of different value plays. If you see a property that is under amenity, where you like, this is a nice area. Maybe let me put a dog park in here, or maybe put some picnic areas. Make it more of a community. If you're if you're renting to Hispanics, why not throw a soccer park in there? I mean, that love to play soccer. Um, You know, we love to look at properties also that have high expenses. Find out what the expenses are to run a unit of property in your area. We know I can just speak real estate lingo. It costs about thirty six hundred to four thousand dollars per unit to run a property. If you see these guys are running it at forty five hundred dollars per unit and you can knock off a couple hundred dollars in expenses, your net operating income goes up by that much and there's the value there. And one other big one that we like to look at is are are these complexes billing back for utilities? Because you go you know going forward now a lot of these buildings back in the 80s and 90s, they had one water meter. So your water expense on the bill might be 10 grand a month. Tenants aren't paying for it. You want to bill that back to them. I mean, and everybody's doing it now because that cost is so prohibitive, you're able to bill that back. Now the mom
0: and the pop uh, uh, buildings too. Another question that I had is, what is kind of the sweet spot for the unit range? Because good question. Yeah, there is a cutoff where you're. If you bump up to a certain level, there's a lot of big boys and, and right. private Very equity good.
2: firms coming in. Yeah, excellent question. Well, that's why the single family and the duplexes. There's such a little profit margin in them because everyone's trading them because it's such an easy barrier. To, there's no barrier to entry into that. Anyone could buy a single family or duplex or try. Unfortunately, most people have that limiting belief that I can't get into a commercial property, fi- commercial financing. It's very easy. I think the sweet spot is between the one, the six and seven million dollar range. I don't know how many units that is. Every market's different. But the one million dollar range, for some reason, people fear that number. So mom and pop investors don't look at that. And, you know, the six million dollar reads. Bigger guys don't want to deal with 50, 60 units because it's a lot harder to run a property at that level. If you have a business where you need to have a, you know, a hundred unit properties, you can have two maintenance. You can have one full time maintenance guy, one full time leasing agent, an assistant leasing agent. But When you get down to 30, 40 units, you're going to have part time guys and the bigger investors don't want to do that. They want to run it as a business. So I think between the one and six, one and seven million dollar range is really where the sweet spot for these, uh, for these mom and pops are. Although, MC, I'm sorry, we've bought all sizes. We've bought from 26 units to 281 units. We bought an $11 million mom and pop. Uh, it was just a family infighting older guy. He wanted to sell to his brother. His brother took it over. Didn't do a very good job. Not very marketable because it was 136 units in one market and 159 in another market. Not many management companies want to deal with that type of asset. It wasn't a, you know that kind of play. And like you said, the big REITs don't want to deal with it. It's non-contiguous. You can't get fanny financing. So you know what? We left another table we just snatched it up. We were very fortunate with the deal, but they come in all shapes and sizes.
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The psychology and we started with mindset and psychology, but it is amazing. Once you add a couple of zeros yep. to a number that certain investors won't go in there, there, there's a, 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 someone that I consider a mentor of mine too, that said something to me the one day too, when I was, uh, uh, you know, looking at a deal and he's like, You know, MC, it's much easier to raise $500,000 than 50. It really is. (laughs) Do you realize that?
2: (laughs) 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 The key key is, I think the key is just start. Get into your first deal. Do your first 10-unit property. See how much you like it. Then all of a sudden, things start happening. Wow, I got a 20-unit deal. Then you say, let me bring on a partner. Maybe I can get a partner. Maybe I can raise equity. Maybe I can find a broker who wants a partner. Use his commission for the deal. Things start happening. You start thinking outside the box and like, one little 26-unit deal ends up to be 700 units. It's very hard to explain, but there's that momentum going on. And I always hear guys like Cardone, I always say, think big, think big. I don't say that. I, I say, think whatever you think, get into it. And then once you're starting to doing it, because there's nobody who owns, it's either zero properties or multiple properties. Nobody has one deal. They're either not doing any or they're going to do a ton. So my whole, I guess, message to that story is jump in get into the game. And once you see all the tax benefits and all the, you know, all the so many opportunities in the space, you're going to jump in.
0: No, absolutely. Now, do you know one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning?
2: It's funny because I just signed up for Dave Ramsey, uh financial coach training. Um, I don't know why I'm, I'm pretty savvy, but I have the life coach. I just want to partner with a financial coach. I'm really good. I mean, I, I'm using these budgeting tool. I, I really want to teach people how to get out of that rigmarole where listen, I've done a budget myself. I never did one. All of a sudden I'm like, wow, I don't need this to live. I need this plus this to live. It's all about, you know, learning the numbers. And I'd like to transfer that, you know, that knowledge to other people who are struggling. Uh, reading that I'm constantly reading stuff on real estate and you know, I like to read a lot of self self-help books uh, because it's always trying to fill your mind with just positive, uh, you know, positive, you know, information and positive messages. No,
0: absolutely. And all about empowering other people. It's amazing. Once you break down the numbers, Oh, things that you, you know, cause th- there's a lot of people like that. They don't even want to look at budgets or look at numbers because it's scary. But once you just sit down and break it down the same with the real estate deal, Uh, it's a, it's a different world that opens up. Um, now you have six children, uh, you and I have had a conversation about creating a legacy and passing on a legacy and a core message in our show is to leave our families and communities and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset values and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
2: Wow. The three things. Well, I think, you know, Gary Keller wrote the book book with the one thing I always want my kids to focus on one thing. I really want them to be happy because if you're really happy in life, I think then you can start serving others. Uh, I, I think the six, you know, six human needs. I always want my th- kids to strive for, you know, and this is what I wasn't striving for the fifth and the sixth human need, which is growth and contribution. If you're not growing, you're dying. You want to experience new things. And that's what's happening with this co-shared space. You know, we're all, we're all, you know, remote. We need to network. I mean, I'm on the phone with you right now. I'm jacked up. I'm, I'm enjoying this call. And I hope everyone else out there is listening to it. We want to grow as a community. We want to share ideas and we want to con- ultimately contribute. And that's where I think we're on this planet for. We're on here to leave it a better place than when we found it. And I just want my kids to be in service of others because I think ultimately You know, I was always focused on money, and I learned that money is not the cause. Money is the result. It took me years to figure that out. And, you know, with Jake and Gino, we have so many resources, and we're always thinking as business owners, how do you monetize? How do you monetize? In this economy, it's not about monetization. It's about giving, and that giving will ultimately lead to monetization. Because people have to, you know, as you're building your brand and you're growing, people have to really, truly trust you and resonate with you and actually like you. A lot of these guys out there are just jerks. They're just, they give salesmanship a bad name. Sales is not a rough thing. If I've got something of value to you and it costs something, it's never about the price. It's about the value of the product. If I can convey that value to you, I'll be selling it every day of the week. And I won't have to be hard. With this economy, it's about the inbound marketing. They're going to come finding you. And that's why I, I, that's what I'd like to leave to my kids. Just that mindset.
0: No, that's great. And that's so true. The cost and price versus value. I mean, that's, you have to, for business decisions uh, within your own business and every other decision that you make, put those, put that in perspective, you know, what's the cost and the price versus the value. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll see that the cost and the price isn't relative at all in that equation. So that's right. Gina, this has been a blast. Where can my listeners uh, learn more about you, your podcast, and stay in form of all the projects that you're involved with?
2: Sure. Uh, we have a website, jakeandgino.com. Um, I have a personal website, ginobarber.com. If you have, have any questions, if you're stuck, middle-aged guy like me, you're frustrated, you want some answers, some guidance, hit me up. I've got an email address, gino at jakeandgino.com. Uh, we have the number one multifamily podcast on iTunes. It's called Wheelbarrow Profits. So, guys, check that check that show out. I mean, we've got like eighty shows on there. I'm actually building a blog based on our podcast that I want to make a roadmap so you can listen to the thirty podcasts from the buying aspect to the managing to the financing. So that'll be out in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited for that that product because people love podcasts. So I'm, we're all over the place. So just hit us up at Jake and Gino. We'd love to get in touch with you guys and just talk real estate.
0: Awesome. Gino, well, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on my show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners.
2: Thanks. Have a great day.
0: This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. you can access an exclusive webinar at CashflowNinja.com forward slash be the bank. Thank you for joining my guest, Gino Barbaro, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends on your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Goshku newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text cashflowninja to 44222. You can support the show also by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at cashflowninja.com forward slash support. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinupsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRAs, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. Creating passive income for you and your family is easier than you think. All you need are three things the right plan, the right product, and the right turnkey provider. As an investor, you want a safe, profitable, and convenient way to invest your capital without being at the mercy of stock market fluctuations. Investing in real estate in a turnkey way that provides monthly passive income with very low risk is exactly what Spartan Invest provides for their clients. Their mission is to make investing in real estate easy for the busy professional. Spartan Invest helps investors create passive income and wealth through turnkey ownership in Birmingham, Alabama. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Spartan. The wealthiest families on the planet know how to capture their wealth and then leveraging their wealth through their own banking system. If you're interested in the infinite banking concept and learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access a free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.